Hi there, and welcome to the media ministry of River Bible Church. I'm Pastor Dustin Daniels, inviting you to visit our website to download today's sermon notes. You can sign up for our newsletter and also submit a prayer request. We would love to pray for you and answer any questions that you may have. For more information, visit riverbible.org. Now let's open up the Word of God together for today's message. We are in our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 14 this morning, chapters 22 through 26. If you would, please turn your Bibles there. And if you do not have a Bible, we got Bibles in the back, and that is our gift to you. Um, As you turn there, let me review from last week. We began a part, well, a two-part series, really, on the preeminent Passover, and uh, the preeminent Passover is truly the installation of a, a new sacrament called the Lord's Supper. It's called communion or the Eucharist. Um, and we really learned seven big ideas from last Sunday. Let me run through these with you. Number one, we, we learn why the Passover and the feast, uh, the feast of unleavened bread, why they're so important to the Jews. Number two, we learn the seriousness of sin. And how only a blood sacrifice can satisfy God's justice. Number three, we learned why why Jesus was acting like James Bond, keeping the location of the Passover secret. Number four, we learned about the betrayal and how Judas Iscariot, how really he represents all of us at some level. Number five, we learned about a doctrine called the doctrine of concurrence. So we we briefly touched on that, and and basically that's when you look at God's sovereignty and then man's responsibility. You know, those are things that we as the church, we're not really need to argue about those things because they're friends. The Bible teaches both. Uh, And this friendship should really bring us to a place of worship, the, the mystery of those things, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, that should bring us to a place of worship for us to understand that God is sovereign and he's in control. Number six, we learn how God worked through the sinful choices of Judas. Judas is not a robot. He did, Judas did what he wanted to do. And God worked through those, those choices. And number seven, we discussed how the guilt of Judas, how that serves as a warning to each of us this morning. Uh, the warning is for us to look inward at ourselves because we all have the capacity to betray Jesus. I mean, all we need is, is one weak moment and a worldly opportunity. All we need is the right price and the, and the right set of circumstances, and we'll be shocked how, how low that price is for us to betray Jesus. So Scripture says that we are to examine ourselves, and that's where we finished up last Sunday. Uh, and I ask you to examine yourself this coming week as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today. And... Uh, The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11, 28. He says, let a person examine himself in in this way. So in this way, let him examine himself and then let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. So the question becomes, 
did you examine yourself? Did you get on your face in the morning and beg a holy God to forgive you of your sins? Did you make phone calls or did you go to someone that you've wronged and, and sinned against? Confessing that sin and then asking for forgiveness. Because the, the word of God says, we don't just go up to people and say, sorry, it's not going to happen again, sorry. No, 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 dear friends. Scripture teaches to conf we are to confess that as sin and then ask for forgiveness. Or did you walk out of here and just forget everything that was said? If you forgot everything that was said, if, it, dear friends, if, you, if you're walking out of here week after week after week and, and you're not considering, if you're not pondering, if, if the Lord is not moving you, if you're not wondering, if you're not experiencing God, uh, that's not good. And my prayer for you is to do some business with God uh, before communion this morning or don't take it. Um, you've got some work to do. If you, come in, if you come in week after week after week and you're not experiencing God day by day, that's an issue, friend. It really is. And the reason that I want to warn you here is because of, of what Scripture says, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This morning, we're going to take a deep dive into the Lord's Supper and we have not celebrated the Lord's Supper together in a few months. There are a few reasons for that. First, it seemed as if we were just getting too liturgical. Too much tradition, right? This is what we've always done. This is what we're always going to do, Dustin. Just like clockwork, right? And dear friends, that's called religion. And Jesus hates religion. Right? And then secondly, in my opinion, those little prepackaged deals that we've been celebrating at the Lord's Supper, it just kind of sucked the whole reverence thing out. <laughs> I, we still have them for those that, that want to use them. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so I, I decided to, to really place the Lord's Supper on hold until it came up in the, into the text. And that's when we were going to talk about it. And I did that because I want us to take a really... Uh, a step closer into understanding what it is that we're actually celebrating today. Uh, but before we get into the specifics of that, let me briefly review how we got here at the preeminent Passover. Because Mark's gospel is so fast-paced, we have to go to another gospel to fill in the holes here. So let me just back up for one moment. Last Sunday, we looked at the preparation and the betrayal at the Passover. Now, Mark, he skips over three separate events that happen between the preparation and the betrayal that night. He did not cover those things. Uh, number one, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He even washes Judas' feet. Imagine that. Awkward. Number two, it's after this washing where Jesus drops the bomb of betrayal. And then in John chapter 13, verse 26, we pick it up here. Jesus replied, he says, he's the one that I give the piece of bread to after I've dipped it. And when he had dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas. After Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him quickly. Notice here, not a demon, but Satan. 
And then Jesus says this. He says, what you're, you're doing, do quickly. None of those reclining at the table knew why he said this to him. Since Judas kept the money bag, some thought that Jesus was telling him, uh, buy what you need for the festival, or maybe you should go give something to the poor. But after receiving that piece of bread, Judas immediately left. So after Judas leaves, here's the third thing that we didn't talk about. The disciples get into an argument. Look at this. Luke chapter 22, 24. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Not that I overheard a conversation or anything in the foyer. After Jesus gives the 11 another lesson on humility, he now moves into the Lord's Supper. So that's where we are this morning. So if you would, please stand for the reading and the honoring of God's word. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 and following. As they were eating, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Heavenly Father, the psalmist writes, Keep me from the ways of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. I have chosen the way of truth and I have set your ordinances before me. Father, this is why we come and gather as a church on Sunday mornings because this is a, this is a place of truth and grace. It's not, a, it's not a place of deceit. Thank you for our Bibles being open and that your, your instruction is going to teach us and lead us and guide us this way. We have chosen the way of truth because we have opened up your word. We have set your ordinances before us. And now, Lord God, I pray that you would teach us about the preeminent Passover and the Lord's Supper. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Have a seat, guys. Thank you. All right, let's take a look here at verse 22. As they were eating, he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, take it, this is my body. Now, have you ever wondered how Jesus blessed this bread? What did Jesus say? How did he bless it? Jesus prayed the same prayer all the Jews prayed over the, bre uh, over the bread. He said this, Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. See, Passover tradition says that Jesus then took, the, there's three loaves of unleavened bread. He placed them in a special white envelope, a, a linen envelope. It has three separate compartments in it. Now, these, these loaves of bread, these are, they don't look like the bread that we use because they're, they're unleavened. There's no yeast in them because yeast is a, it's a biblical symbol for sin. So these loaves are flat. Notice now that they're marked with stripes from the grill. 
and they're pierced with holes from the cooking process. The father of the family or the, or the host of the Passover, what he would do is he would remove the middle loaf from that compartment. He would then break it. He would wrap it in a separate piece of white linen and then he would go hide it. In other words, he buries that piece of bread. Now, this is where Jesus interrupted the, the standard Passover tradition and he says, this is my body. I mean, can you imagine the look on, Jesus, on the disciples' face? This is my body? They're, they're, can you imagine confusion and even disgust? It, it reminds us of the teaching in John 6 where Jesus first talked about, this is where you guys need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Remember that? That, that is one of the most difficult sermons Jesus ever preached. I like to call that sermon Operation Crowd Reduction <laughs> because that is not how you build a church. And yet, it's so necessary for the church to hear that message and to preach it. And so Jesus does it again. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So in other words, Jesus foretold his resurrection in the blessing of that bread. Jesus not only presides over the feast, Jesus is the feast. So the symbolism here of bread, it began in the Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, verse 8. The symbolism continues where God wanted the bread in the tabernacle uh, on display at all times, Exodus 25, 30. And then we fast forward to the birth of Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. The New Testament, it's filled with references over three, well, just in the Gospels alone, 300 references to bread. Remember how Satan tempted Jesus? If, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, you tell these stones to become bread. Bread is in the Lord's Supper. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus used bread in the parables. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus used bread for miracles. He, he fed the 5,000 Jews, right? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? You guys need to go see. And when they came back, Jesus, we only got five loaves and we got these two little fish. Jesus fed the 4,000 Gentiles. His disciples, they, they said, where can anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to go feed these people? He used bread. And then Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the bread of life. No one comes to me will ever be hungry again, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. So when Jesus breaks this bread and he gives it to his disciples, it, it means that what has happened to the bread is going to happen to him. So the three loaves of bread for Passover, they represent the Trinity. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The middle loaf there, that is the loaf which was broken. That's the Son. So verse 23, Jesus took then the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. Jesus prays the traditional Jewish prayer here. He says, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of you're the creator of the fruit of the vine. 
Now, there are four cups of diluted red wine in the Passover meal. The wine was considered to be the blood of the grape, plucked from the vine, and then it's crushed. The first cup of wine is called the cup of sanctification. It's, it's this cup where the, the, it sanctifies the table and all of its preparations. The second cup is called the cup of remembrance. This cup is spilled onto the plate in front of each person, one drop at a time. Each drop of wine, those red drops, represent a drop of blood for the ten plagues. The Jews did this to remember what they were saved from. They were saved from God's wrath on sin. And the third cup is the cup of redemption. And that's the cup that we're, that we're talking about here in verse 23. At this point, a child in the family, what he would do is he would go look for that buried loaf of bread that the father hid. Once the child found it, the father would, listen now, he would redeem it. He would buy back that piece of bread from his son. Wow. This loaf of bread was then eaten with the cup of redemption. So Jesus, in verse 23, he gave this cup to them, and then they all drank from it. Notice here, Mark goes way out of his way to make this clear. They all drank from the same cup. Uh-oh. Somebody, don't tell the Center for Disease Control. Do not tell the CDC. They are not going to be happy about that. Drinking from the same cup, it meant that it was, it, it was customary for the Jews. It, it meant that you were in communion with one another. This was a relationship. This is a fellowship. This is a kinship. This is a friendship with one another. So in verse 24, he says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Now, Look, I, I know we all are pretty much numb to those words. But as Jesus spoke those words for the first time, the disciples probably wanted to throw up. Why is that? Because of God's command. Genesis 9-4, you must not eat meat with its blood in it, or the lifeblood in it. Which meant you certainly don't drink blood as a Jew either. So the Old Testament law, what it did, it, it banned the drinking of blood for, for several reasons. Number one, blood is life, meaning if you've got no blood running through your veins, you're dead. Number two, blood was ordained as a means of atonement. So the shedding of blood with an animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, what it did is it, it temporarily brought you peace with God. So that sacrifice, it paid your sin debt for the time being. All the animals that were killed, they, they had to be drained of that blood before they could be eaten. So to drink blood was not only to break God's command, but it was really it desecrated the symbol of atonement. Now notice here that Jesus gave them the cup to drink first, and then he shared that symbolism. Otherwise, I'm not sure they would have drank from the cup. Back to verse 24. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So Jesus, his reference here to the cup is my blood. This is a symbol. It's a sign. It's a metaphor for Jesus' life. Jesus is not saying that the wine supernaturally turns into his physical blood when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. 
Um, how do we know this? Well, let's read scripture with a, a fresh pair of eyes and ears this morning like we've never heard it before. I want, I want you to forget your traditions. I, I, let's let the Bible speak for itself. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. the Apostle Paul says this. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. And this is it. He says, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, and remember me. In the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you do, remember me. See, we celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember the price that, that was paid for our sin. Uh, the bread and the wine, these are, these are symbols to remember. It's, it's a word picture. He says, my body and my blood. You know, Jesus used this kind of metaphoric language all the time throughout his scriptures or through his teachings in the scripture. Jesus said, I'm, I'm the bread of life, right? John 6, 35, he said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the door or the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and life. I'm the true vine. So obviously, all of these things are, are examples. They are symbols. Um, it's a physical description of a spiritual truth. It's a word picture, so we remember Secondly, we, we also celebrate the Lord's Supper in anticipation of the rapture. Look at this. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim it. So we don't just proclaim it here within the church. We proclaim it out in the Verde Valley, don't we? We're not going through this this exercise of tradition just to entertain ourselves. We're, we're doing it because the Lord commanded us to do it, number one, but we're to share what we do and why we do with those who don't know the Lord. Verse 24, he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. This is a powerful verse, guys. Um, your translation may say shed. It really is a picture of the violence that Jesus will endure to satisfy God's propitiation. If you've seen the movie, The Passion, that's propitiation. Much of that movie dealt with God's holy and perfect justice on sin. Uh, we also have some Old Testament imagery here happening in verse 24. The book of Hebrews actually summarizes this very well. So let's take a look at this. Hebrews 9.19 so, in the Mosaic law, this is how they purified things. For when every command had been proclaimed by Moses to all the people according to the law, what he did is he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, wool, and hyssop. And he sprinkled the scroll and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God has ordained for you. In the same way, he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the articles of worship with the blood. Verse 22, according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So in other words, as blood sealed and started a covenant initiated by God, the Mosaic covenant, 
In the same way, Jesus' sacrificial death is also a covenant. That's why we call it the New Testament. Testament, that's just another word for promise um, or covenant. So Jesus' blood, is a, it's a new act of redemption. It's called grace. Uh, grace supersedes the law. Praise God for that. What Jesus did in this, in this last Passover was something that nobody else could do. He fulfilled the law. So in this Passover meal, Jesus brought to a close the old celebration of Passover, and, and he instituted a new celebration called the Lord's Supper. So what he did is he took components of the Passover feast, and then he redefined them as elements of his communion table. These elements are not thrown on the believers in the, like the Old Testament, but now they, we are, they are consumed by believers. This is no longer a temporary covering for sin. It's a permanent solution for sin. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was with God's people. Now the Holy Spirit dwells inside God's people. So when Jesus invites us to his table here, he invites us to a deeper understanding of what he is, number one, and what he accomplished, number two. Back to verse 24, he says, it's poured out for many. Notice that Jesus does not say for all. He says for many. That term many, it points us back to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore I, so that's God the Father, God the Father, I will give him, that's God the Son, Jesus, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as a spoil. Why? Why does, why does Jesus receive the many? Because he willingly submitted to death, who was counted among the rebels. He was not a rebel, he was counted among the rebels. He was counted as a sinner. And yet he bore the sin of many, so there's that word again, and he interceded for the rebels. He interceded for us. And so that term there, many, what it does is it links Jesus' death to the, this idea of, uh, of vicarious and, and substitutional sacrifice for sinners. So in other words, Jesus took your place. Jesus took your place. Verse 25, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So Jesus could be referring to the wedding feast here in the book of Revelation. Um, he says, when I drink it new, this is interesting, that, that word new there, it could mean that the wine will have an additional sp spiritual characteristic to it. And then in verse 26, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So as the preeminent Passover celebration ends here, Jesus and the disciples, they sang a closing song. This is, what, this is how the Passover feast was ended uh, traditionally. Most likely, this is a, a refrain from Psalm 118. It's called a Hallel Psalm. Hallel, it means to praise the Lord. It's where we get our word hallelujah, hallel, and then yah, that's Yahweh. That's the short, short name for Yahweh there, hallelujah. So this is beautiful. This is amazing. Psalm 118, verse 1. Listen to the refrain 
in this. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let Israel say his faithful love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his faithful love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his faithful love endures forever. Isn't that cool? What a beautiful, beautiful psalm to, to end this, this Passover, the, the, the first, really the last Passover, the first Lord's Supper. So back to verse 26, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So basically when the meal is finished, they're, they're singing this psalm. Jesus and the 11, they leave the city and they, they head across the Kidron Valley through and to the Mount of Olives. Now, this is the same place where Jesus, just the day prior, he was teaching all the disciples about his second coming. And now they're walking through that same space again. This is around midnight, Friday morning, and Jesus is now preparing for his crucifixion. Just hours away at this point. So, we are now going to celebrate the Lord's Supper ourselves. As you can see here, there's, there's three um, places where you can get the, the communion elements. We've got the regular communion elements that are stacked on top one of, uh, of another. So, you have two cups. The, the, the first cup has the wine. The second cup has the bread. So be very careful as you pull that out. Sometimes they stick. So be very careful. You don't want to pull this out. These things break very, very uh, easily. And then for those of you who like the prepackaged deals, they're right here as well. All right. Here's what I would like us to do. I would like us, first and foremost, to thank God for allowing us to come on this beautiful, rainy uh, Sunday morning. We've got rain in the desert, praise God. Um, secondly, when I suggest that you do business with God, that means just to look in your rearview mirror and, and see where the Lord has you today. And to confess sin. Look back at, at, at some of your relationships and certain people and events and, and to do some business with God and to ask for forgiveness, dear friends, before you celebrate the Lord's Supper. That is so important. We are to examine ourselves. We are to look deep to where the Lord, He can, he, He's the only one that can change us. So as you come up, I'm simply going to pray and I just want, I'm not going to have the band come up. We're not going to have any music. Um, this is just a, a sweet time between you and, and the Lord. So when you're ready, come up, grab the elements. I want to invite you, if you would like to, to kneel here on the stage and pray, you can do that or just go back. Continue to pray. And um, when everybody has the elements, then we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Sound like a plan? The Father in heaven. Thank you for allowing us to take a, a really deep dive into the first Lord's Supper and really, truly what this means. Lord, I pray that we do just take a few moments right now to look in the rear view of our, of our own mirror, of our own lives, and we confess things that, that maybe we haven't even thought about confessing, that we confess our anger, 
and our irritation. We, we, we confess that maybe we like being angry and we like confrontation and we like being in control. May we confess that as sin. Father, forgive us if we're, if we're looking at pornography, if we're drinking too much or, or, or using drugs of any kind. Forgive us for our mouths and our gossip, Lord God. Forgive us of our sin. And Lord God, forgive us corporately as well. Corporately as a church, are we doing what you want us to do? Are we listening? Are we obeying? So Father, I want to thank you in advance for hearing our prayers. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So come and grab the communion elements when you're ready. So dear friends, I'm going to read some very familiar words. And prayerfully, they're going to take on a new meeting this morning. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body. And this is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father in heaven, we do want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to wait to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Thank you for putting a pause on it, that it does not become a tradition to where we, we don't even think about it. It is such a joy to, to read the Word of God verse by verse to experience you in that, in that way, Lord God. And, and now, this week, I pray that we also experience you day by day and moment by moment. And then when you put somebody right in front of us who has spiritual questions, may we recognize what you're doing. You're actually using us in spite of us to proclaim your death until you come. Wow. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be such a small part of the kingdom of God right here in the Verde Valley. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.